And uh, just so you guys know, I mean, I'm, I'm totally cool with everybody coming to the first service, but our second service hardly has anybody. So if you actually want to social distance, uh, the second service would totally be a good, time, good place to do that. Just, just a thought. So, um, yes. So, and also like Pastor Tim mentioned concerning the Connection Hub, uh, we are going to be launching our Connect Groups here in February. That's the game plan. So uh, if you uh, have more questions, you can talk to me about that. But uh, yeah, we'll be launching those in February. And Pastor Tim told you everything else you need to know for now. Uh, let's, let's pray. We need God. We need him a lot. I need him a lot. So let's, let's bring him into this. Father God, we honor you so much. We thank you, God, that, that it is not by might and it's definitely not by our power, but it is by your spirit. God, we, we literally throw all of our eggs in the one basket of Jesus Christ. Lord, we give you our entire lives, our entire being, and our entire soul. And Father God, I pray that you would just silence every voice right now that exalts itself above the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Every thought in our head, every, any lies that the enemy has spoken over us, Lord, right now, I pray that you would give me a grace to communicate your word in such a way, God, that it's not me, it's you. And I pray, Lord, that today we would hear your voice and that you would build faith and that you would do the work that you set out to do today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what a week. I feel like we say that almost every, every couple months at least. And I know without fail I'm preaching. And... All week long, I've been trying to hear the voice of God. I've been trying to, God, what are you saying? God, I know what I think. I know what I feel. And my soul has not necessarily been in peace this week. My state of mind has not been probably the healthiest today. And the last thing you would want to do this week is hear what Daniel Merrick has to say. But I have been just pursuing and seeking God and doing the best that I could to not speak from my soul but to rather speak what I really believe the Lord is saying. And so I'm going to do my best today to communicate what I truly believe is the word of the Lord. And I pray that you will not shut down or shut off because of what I say. Because I said to Rachel last night, I might, with this sermon, I might just make everybody mad, no matter where you're at. I might just do that. But I'm going I'm to tell you what I believe the Lord is saying, and then you can do what you want with it. So this week, I was very upset, and I was in turmoil. And, and many of us have been praying for our nation, seeking God for our nation, waiting for God to come through for us and come through big. And what really scared me is the power of censorship, the power of control that keeps getting bolder and bolder in our nation. I'm not here to talk to you about politics. I'm talking about religious freedom. I'm talking to you about having the ability to say what is true and not be harassed 
or bullied or shut down. And so, out of my own place of anxiety and through my own study of Nazi Germany and modern-day communist China, that communism doesn't start over here. It works its way. And I, as a Christian, can see where this is headed. And I can see the control, the manipulation, the silencing of truth, of people that get to choose what truth we get to hear. And we can say, well, we don't know if this is true, or we don't know if that is true. But listen, when you silence the voices and you only hear one voice, it's scary. It's flat out scary. And so, as a Christian and as a pastor, thoughts come to your mind like, will we be able to stream if big business or big tech, which I love, all the big tech options, I just don't like the, the scariness of the control. That they can shut down what they don't like and call it hate speech. That we can't, if we preach what the Bible says, they get to call us names, lie about us, and attack our character. It is downright scary. And I'm not here to scare you today, I'm here to encourage you. It's going to get better. I'm telling you where I was. I'm not telling you what God's saying. I'm telling you where I was. And so out of that place of fear and anxiety, you say, God, if the powerful elites control the megaphone, what do our young children have? When the House of Representatives says, you can't say father or mother. Who thinks like that? Who gets to control this? So you're telling, do you, do you think it's going to stop there? It's coming straight for us. And so what, what are they doing to pastors in some of these cities? They attack them and say, oh, they have, uh, you know, monetary, they're, they're out for the money. And there's, not all, but there are newspapers that are flat out lying about pastors right now. That's what they do in China. That's where this is going. Unless a divine miracle happens, flat out. And so out of the place of my own fear, my own anxiety, my own sense of truth, justice, freedom, and the American way, I don't want to suffer persecution. I don't want to lose my freedoms. And, I, and I, I, the Lord's just, I think, doing a work in all of us that we have to be at the point where we can't be bullied and we can't be pushed around in the sense of what is truth. We cannot back down. So God has this put us in a situation where doing what he says puts us against the culture. And so it's intense and it's real. But I, I think there's something that we need to be very careful of. Very cautious of. In our own souls. And that is getting into the flesh getting into our own soul power and trying to do it the American way. Because 
The truth is, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. That is the truth, no matter what happened this week. Your prayers, my prayers, are still working. God is still working. And truth will come forth. Who only knows what it will look like? But here's the thing. When we get into a place, I, I believe it's a spirit. I, I'm, t- I'm, t- I'm talking to you right now about not partnering with the spirit. I don't even know what to call the spirit right now. But I can sense it, I can feel it, I can perceive it, and I'm going to describe it to you, even though I don't have a name for it. It is a spirit that operates in fear, believes itself to be a victim and powerless, and kind of just hollers out because it feels a powerlessness. Today I want, I believe the Lord wants us to respond in a certain way to what is happening around us. And so I want to look in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. This is a little dialogue that we see between Peter and Jesus. Verse 21 From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Jesus did not grow up with constitutional rights. He was not a citizen of Rome, and therefore was very limited in his freedoms in the natural realm. Jesus was put to death by a sketchy trial. Pilate knew the truth, but instead washed his hands of it to avoid the wrath and the riots. And out of that place of the the religious leaders, the social leaders, the political leaders, they were able to put Jesus to the death. Jesus understands corrupt government, corrupt leadership, and he also understands everything that we're experiencing right now. The way Peter responds is how our flesh responds. Lord, that won't happen to you. I'll make sure of it. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. If Jesus says, get behind me, Satan, that's, that's a rough moment. That is a really bad moment. If you're a disciple of Jesus and he says, get behind me, Satan. 
But even Peter, who was a man of God, who would go on to become a leader in the church, was pulled into this spirit. This spirit of putting self first, self-preservation, and living for now, and living for the moment, and living for our fleshly survival. And Peter begins to rebuke Jesus and say, Lord, no, we got it. I want control of this. We can fight this. We can come against this. And later we see that Peter meant every word of it because he had the sword when Judas and these religious leaders and political leaders, really, they were Sadducees. The political leaders came and Peter pulled out his sword and he swipes and he gets the, the servant's ear on the other team. And Jesus, first of all, I always find this story hilarious because Peter's a fisherman, not a swordsman. So it's like, he missed, you know what I mean? He was not aiming for the ear. Jesus is like, those who live by the sword are going to die by the sword. If you use that sword, you will perish by that sword. Jesus stopped Peter from fighting back. Jesus understood that it was the will of the Father, and Jesus surrendered and submitted to the will of God. He surrendered himself into God's hands, into God's care, saying, I am not going to defend me. I'm not going to stand up for me. I'm going to let God stand up for me, and I'm going to let God be my judge, and I'm going to let God be in charge. I mean, it's, it's just crazy to think about how Jesus was sitting there before Pilate, and accusation after accusation and lie after lie came against Jesus, and Pilate is waiting for Jesus to say something. Stand up and defend yourself. I think Pilate was looking for Jesus to give him something to work with. And Jesus says nothing. And Pilate's like, don't you understand the power I have right now? Don't you understand who I am? If you knew how powerful I was, you would speak out and you would, you would defend yourself, but you answer nothing. And Jesus says, you would have no power over me unless it was given to you from above. Several times, Jesus clarifies point blank I could call down legions of angels. You wouldn't know what hit you. It would happen. So I have so much power. I have so much authority. There's nothing too difficult for me, but I'm laying it down. I choose. And Peter is frustrated. That's what we do. We get frustrated with God because, God, you have everything you need. Now stand up, defend yourself. See, that's what meekness is. It's power under control. Jesus has legions of angels that will immediately do his bidding. And he's so meek that he lets these people think they're in charge. He lets them say things about him that are not the truth. He literally, it looks like he's in their hand, but really he's in the hand of God. And in the place of their power, in the place of their control, Jesus puts, his, puts himself into the hands of God and doesn't fight in the flesh like Peter we see ha happening here in this situation. I believe, wrote this down so I'd remember, 
I believe the Lord is saying, I am doing something. Don't try to help me out in the flesh. I will do it. I'm going to say that again. I believe the Lord is saying, I am doing something. Don't try to help me out in your flesh. I will do it. That which is of the flesh will not prosper. That which comes from our flesh, which is our soul and our body, will not do the word. Jesus said it accomplishes nothing. It will effectively just get in the way and slow things down. We have to get out of the way. Now, I'm not saying we don't partner. There's a difference between partnering and helping God out. And I want to look at a little story in the scriptures. Very famous person, that's Abraham in the Bible. And I want to look at, this is probably not going to be new knowledge for a lot of you, but I believe it's a thus saith the Lord kind of moment. And so we're going to look in Genesis chapter 15, that's at the beginning of the Bible, hence the word Genesis. Genesis chapter 15, the Lord has, made, has begun to make some promises and he, he is continuing to make promises. In Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. That's a good word for anybody right now. God is our shield, and he is our exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? He's like, that's not good enough. Seeing I go childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. So he's saying, God, my servant is going to get everything. What good is all your blessing? What good if you're my shield? What good if you're this? If I'm going to die soon and I have no kid to give it to you. What I really long for is a, is a child. In verse 4, God responds, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. So, God shows up. Abraham has a beef. God makes a promise. Abraham believes the promise. And God says, I declare you righteous with me because, because you believed my word. You believed my promise. That was, I don't really know how old he was. I would venture, I guess, he was probably around 75 at this point in time. So he's old. He's already getting up there. No offense to anybody that's 75 or older today. That did not mean to happen that way. <laughs> he was old back then. It's not like that nowadays. You're much, new, much younger. Uh, 
And so we see a lot happening in Abraham's life. It says Abram, but his name was later changed. But in chapter 16, we're going to look that about probably 11 years has passed. And Abraham is about 86 years old. In Genesis 16, verse 1, it says, Now Sarai, that's his wife, had borne him no children. And she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham heeded the voice of Sarai. Now in most situations, I really believe men should listen to their wives. But there are situations where she doesn't really mean what she says she just told you to do. And this would be one of those times. Abraham is, or Abram is being tested by his wife. And he fails miserably. You know, when your wife says, it's okay, you can, you know, it's my birthday, you can go, you can go watch the game. She does not mean that. She, she knows what she wants. She wants you to make the right decision. That's what's going on here. So she's here. Take my servant. You can sleep with her, have a kid, and then you'll have an heir. And he listens to her. That's dumb, dumb, dumb. But we see here, 11 years has passed since God has promised something. Man, he's patient. He has all of eternity. It's all he knows is eternity. And then there's us. You know, we, we, we think 70 is old or 75. But they get impatient with God because she says, God or the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Who has? The Lord has. Why is this happening to me? The Lord did it. I want you to see this. I want to talk a little bit about the, so the sovereignty of God. Because the sovereignty of God is not an easy thing, I think, for us to understand. In fact, there's many churches that have completely different opinions about the sovereignty of God. The thing is, is everybody believes that God is sovereign. We just aren't all in agreement with what that means. Sovereignty, first and foremost, means that God is above it all. He is in charge. God is in charge. He, when you, when you go to heaven, everything that happens will be under the umbrella of God's will. But we, we're not in heaven, so not everything that happens is God's will. So in God's sovereignty, he gives us a lot of leeway. And that is why I'm angry at him. That's what I was dealing with a lot of this week. God, I know your will. I know what you want. But then you let people get involved. Have you ever had a promise from God and people drop the ball on you? At least some of you. I know what it's like 
to know you heard from God, have confirmation you heard from God, know you're in the will of God, and then people happen. God, I know you're in charge, but I want you to be in control. I want you to be in control of this and make everything happen the way, you know, the way you said it would. You made a promise. The, the promise, the promises of God are, they're not as glamorous as they appear in a way. I know it sounds really bad the way I said it. The thing about the promises of God, the promises of God come into your life where you are, and they are meant to take you to a place you are not. You are here, and the promise is there, but you can't get there on your own. That's why it's a promise. And so when God speaks, you're, we're elated because we think it's going to happen next month. Or we'd be giddy if it happened next year. I had God give me a promise July of 2019, and it already happened. I'm like, that was one of the fastest ones. It took like a year and a half. It's a miracle for that promise. And it was an extreme, like in all honesty, I'm, I'm kind of amazed it happened so fast. Like in the natural, like, I'm like, wow, well, maybe after 30 years. But God makes a promise that is beyond our ability, and it creates this brutal tension. And I don't like it. Because the tension calls for faith. Because when God speaks, you're like, yeah, I believe God. And until it looks like it's come together, it looks like it's come together, it looks like God's coming through, and then it all falls apart at the seams, and now it seems like it's worse than it ever was. I'm not just talking about our nation, I'm talking about all our, our lives. I can't tell you how many times I've prayed, and I've prayed, and I believe, and the promise, and this, and you stand firm, you stand firm, and year after year goes by, until it hurts. It hurts because it's hope deferred. It hurts because I don't want to keep believing in this God. God, I don't even care anymore. I don't really care about this promise because it hurts too much to keep believing you when it doesn't look like it's a reality. And God just keeps being like, you gotta believe, you gotta stand. It's my character, and it's like, God, the pain is so brutal. I am so content with what I have. Can't we just stay where I am? With where you've called me, with what you've given me, with who you've called me to become? I don't want to do this anymore. Let's just, let's just, let's just settle for plan B. And so you, you see Abraham and his wife being like, it's, it's just too painful. This is too hard to keep trying to have a baby. And then we don't have a baby. We are barren and we are broken. All we have is a promise that has gotten us nowhere. Did I even hear God? Am I hallucinating? And then they make a move to help God out. And that's what I believe the Lord is cautioning us today. He, he does not want us to partner in the flesh because that will release fear and anxiety and you will carry burdens that you're not supposed to be carrying. You cannot carry the burdens and the weight of everything that's happening right now. You cannot. Pastor Tim talked about this. I think it was the last Sunday that you talked about this, the burdens. It feels like a long time ago. Like, was that three months ago? I can't remember. 
I should live that by, actually I did try to live it. But we cannot carry the burdens of all the things that we're seeing and we're encountering in day to day and day out. And so in this place, we must not respond in a fleshly way, not grabbing our pitchforks, not freaking out on social media because we don't feel heard. We must tap into what the Lord is saying, what the Lord is doing, and humble ourselves under his mighty hand for as long as it takes. And I don't know what else to say. I really don't know what else to say because God is so patient and I don't want him to be patient. I want him to get on the job. I want God to fulfill his word and to do it now. But he gets to be God. That's why he's sovereign. God gets to be God. God gets to be sovereign with what is happening in our lives. And we pray and we pray and we pray and then God gives humans free will. And we have to let our hands off of it. Because God is going to do his work and that includes, and, and, and I don't know how, but he's doing it while he's giving people a ton of latitude. And I want to look at Genesis chapter 17 now. We'll pick it up in verse 15. Now, God appears to Abraham, or Abram, when he's 99 years old. He's almost 100. He is so old, like... He's older than dirt. And he, God appears to him and reiterates the covenant, the promise. God is taking all of the things from the past and reestablishing it, redeclaring it. And in verse 15, God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall no, not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man? who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God shows up and makes a promise to a 99-year-old man concerning his 90-year-old wife. And after he hears, this, this is the father of our faith. After God makes the promise, it says, he fell on his face and laughed. He laughed at the promise of God. Why? Because it's, isn't it impossible? If you can't have a baby when you're 30 or 40, what makes you think you can do when you're 90? He fell on his face. That is not a sign of faith. That is a sign of a man who does not believe. And he says, oh, that Ishmael. Ishmael is the son that 
he conceived with Hagar. Ishmael's about 13 years old by this point. So now he has a son. He, God lets him live 13 years believing that what Abraham tried to pull off was actually God's will. He thought God made a promise. God fulfilled his promise. It's over. And God shows up and says, you tried to help me out. That wasn't the promise. I wasn't in on that. That was all you, dude. I told you what I would do, and I know it's been 25 years, which is forever, but now is the time. And he is like, God, it's been so nice these last 13 years not having the tension of believing you. I have lived so content settling. Settling for less than everything you have for me. I am so content right now with just being mediocre. Let's just take what I did and call it good. Let's just take what I've been trying to do and let's just call this plan B, let's just make it all right. Let, let Ishmael inherit the promise. We don't need to go through this. I, I am too old. I don't want to be kept up in the middle of the night. Let's just surrender. In verse 19, and I, I hope that this will hit you as hard as it hit me. Because I don't even know what God is meaning by what he is saying, but I know this is what God is saying. Verse 19, then God said, no. I believe this is the word of the Lord. You know, we're like, God, all right, things have not gone like we thought. Let's just, let's just do, leave well enough alone. And I feel like the Lord today says to you, no. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son. And you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. I really believe, I, I titled this God's Plan A because I really believe prophetically the Lord is saying something. And I don't, I, I'm almost scared to interpret it because when God speaks, we interpret it how we think it's going to play out. We interpret the word and the voice of the Lord that, okay, well, I can see how this could happen, and I can see how this could happen, and, I can, and we try to think and process through how God gets to do the supernatural. And I cannot tell you how many times I'm wrong. And I walk, look back, I'm like, well, the word was right, but the way I thought it was going to turn out did not go right at all. And so, the Lord, I believe today, is saying no to our plan Bs. I feel like the Lord is saying no to us trying to pull this off or giving up. I believe the Lord is saying the deal is still on. I knew everything that would happen before I made the promise, and I have every intention of fulfilling it, what I said I would do, the way I said I would do it. 
I believe that is the word of the Lord. You can figure out what it means, I guess, because then you won't be mad at me if I say it wrong. Rachel, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that we should have you share what you got. Are you good for that? Can we have the mic, Tim? I told her, I think it was this morning, to be ready in season and out of season because I didn't know what I was doing. But I asked, I'm going to ask Rachel here to share something uh, that, that the Lord spoke to her should yesterday. Would I would. Okay. So on Friday, I was... I got a new phone like two years ago, and the whole time I haven't taken any pictures off my phone. And so I was went, and I was like, I need to put these on here and clean it up. And so I went and put all my pictures on the computer. And in the process, we have just got a new computer. And so I put all the pictures on my computer, and then I deleted all the pictures off of my phone. And I, and I normally always go back and check and make sure they're on the computer, and I never did. And I was cleaning out my phone and everything, and I even went into the settings and permanently deleted them from it because they save them on there for a while. And then later I went to go on the computer, and I could not find them. They were not on there. And I called Daniel up, and I knew when he went to work he didn't have his sermon, and so I was like, oh, I know he can't really bug me much. But I was like talking to him about it. And he's like, well, I'm pretty sure they're on there. And our new computer has two hard drives. So he's like, well, look on both of them and everything. And I'm looking at everything and I'm not seeing them at all. And there was like over 1,700 pictures on there. <laughs> and so I was just like, so Daniel's like, well, take a picture, hook up your computer, and it will read like that's a new picture look at where it's sending them. So I take a new picture, and I had left some of the pictures on there, like that. I, I hadn't deleted all of the pictures off my phone, but most of them. And it when I plugged it in right away, it said it found like 70 new pictures, which I knew wasn't accurate. And so I was just like pretty sure that I lost all my pictures. And so all day I was just sick over it. I was like, why did I do that? Why did I delete all these? And I was so annoyed and just bummed about it. And I have like Christmas pictures on there, birthday pictures, everything. And I just kind of had this feeling like this, this is kind of how I feel of the la this last year. Like there were things that I thought were going to happen. I felt like they were going to happen and they didn't. And I just felt like this sense of loss. And I was just like... I'm 100% sure I'm not going to get these back, but I'm like, if I do, I know this is God speaking to me. <laughs> and so all day I was just trying to trust God over it and not be thinking about it, but that's all I did all day was think about it. And so anyway, Daniel came home and I had him look at it and he wasn't seeing them on the computer either. They were gone. Well, before I, I plugged in my phone to to, to upload the pictures and I got distracted and I decided oh I'm gonna change some of the music on my phone and so I changed the music on my phone and then the boys needed help with something so I unplugged my phone and I went and helped them and then later a couple hours later is when I went and put the pictures on and I uploaded the pictures well I guess that when I was doing my music it 
put a backup on our computer of all of my photos. So it backed up my to phone iTunes. to iTunes to what it was, which was around 9.30. And then when I went on there at 11.30 and deleted everything, there was a backup on there. And I just felt like God was saying to me, like, Rachel, there are things that you thought were going to happen that didn't. But I still have a plan, and I'm backing up my plan. And I just felt like God was saying um, that for us, we look at things and we see, like, oh, maybe this isn't going to happen. I don't see a way. There, this is impossible. And just like I saw with my pictures what seemed impossible, it really was impossible, except I didn't know that there was a backup plan on my computer. And I just felt like God was saying to me, Personally, there were some things that God had promised me that looked like they didn't happen. And I just felt like God was saying that he's going to back up his plan. And I, think and I think the way you said it to me was God's going to back up his promise. Yeah. Back up his word. Yeah, God's going to back up his word. Like he has spoken a word, maybe individually to you, and it's like God's going to back up his plan. He has a backup plan. <laughs> Yeah, so I started sharing with her yesterday what God was, because I, I didn't know what, 24 hours ago, I didn't know what I was talking about. I was just like, I don't know what's going to happen with these people. I just, maybe we should have a good prayer meeting. But I, I believe what the Lord is saying. I have no idea what he's going to do. I have no idea how he's going to do it. And even more disturbingly, I don't know how long. But I believe the Lord is working and that he has a plan. He hasn't forgot his plan. And I know that we talk, I think Tim and I both talk about this idea, you know, we talk about GPSs and recalculating. You know, we, you know, sometimes it's what they did, but just like Abraham, sometimes we do it to ourselves. And there, there are many times in our lives, you know, where we make a choice, we make a decision, we make a plan, and God's, like the GPS, is like, all right, recalculating, and he gives us the new, the new updated plan. That is biblical, and that is how God operates a lot of the time. But what I am saying to you is something is in the works that is not like that. God is not, there's, there's something in your life, there's something happening in this time. I have no idea if it's one year or three years. But God, I believe the Lord is saying, I'm doing something that is not a recalculation. I'm doing everything that I said I would do. I am not changing my mind. It's going to be just as I said, and it's going to be through whom I said. Do you guys want to stand up? Well, let's just pray. We're just going to put our trust in God. Father, we declare that you are light and there is no darkness in you. Your word says that it is impossible for you to tell a lie. It is not in your character. It is not in your nature. You cannot do it because you don't have lies inside of you. You can only speak what is truth. And Father, we hear you and we believe you. And Holy Spirit, we invite you into every part of our lives. We invite you into every part of our nation. 
And Lord, we surrender our need or desire for control to you. We let go of things looking how we want and you working on our timetable. We let go of that kind of stuff. And we declare you reign above it all. Father, I pray that you would break off of everyone in this room and anyone that's watching online, that you'd break off anxiety and fear and that lying spirit of powerlessness. In Jesus' name. God, we repent for walking like victims. And Lord, we entrust ourselves into your hands. We surrender to you into what you want. Come and have your way, we pray, in everything. In Jesus' name, amen.